Hey, this is Steven giving you another bonus archived episode. This episode was originally recorded on the 3rd of March 2020. Enjoy! What's up, everybody? This is Rodane, or as it's pronounced cor- correctly, Rodane. <laughs> Very uh, important to put that accent on that last, last syllable. So it's Rodane. You know. Okay, we can agree on that, Daniel, right? We can agree on that, at least. Okay, good. So this is a podcast where me, Stephen, a Romanian, joined by my friend Daniel, a Dane. Yes. Discuss a Romanian movie and a Danish movie. But first, Daniel, how has your week been? Uh, my week has been pretty good. Like, um, mm. no, uh, no, like, every day is a course until six o'clock. So I've actually been able to relax a little bit, which has been great. <clears throat> relax. Don't relax. Do don't do it. Yeah. Uh, other than that, like... You know, the usual things I finished, uh, the book I was reading, the uh, On the Beach, it was depressing as all hell. Uh, <laughs> not quite the road, but uh, but up there. There's a virus in it, right? Uh, in the road or in On the Beach? In On the Road. On the Road is a different book. Wait, well, On the Beach, sorry. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's radiation. It's like radiation is coming down from the north and killing everyone, basically. Right, okay. But, so, yeah. yeah, depressing. Uh, other than that, I mean, Better Call Saul came back for season five, so I've been happy. <laughs> okay. What about you, Steven? Uh, what about me? What about you? Um, I finished reading the, the comic book. Okay. Uh, by... Uh, the the public uh, the publication is called Young Animal. It's called Milk Wars. Oh yeah, that uh, was the thing you you bought. Yeah. Yeah, you actually saw me bought bought it, and uh, yes. it's pretty good. Uh, I'm really glad that I bought it. <laughs> the artwork was fantastic. Um, it took me a lot a while to finish it because uh, uh, I would reread the chapters over and over again to sort of get um, small little details inside. Um, each chapter so and it's like it, a modern day watchman no <laughs> not really nah. it's i wouldn't compare it to that it's very it's very tongue-in-cheek it's it's uh it, it acts as a sort of um because it's a joint venture between the publication young animal and dc okay it was um, dc i was i was thinking whether or not it was marvel or dc and uh, it acts as a sort of um, a gateway to the other young young animal stuff that they have. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of references to stuff you might not know. And then I would look it up and shit and then figure out where I was and stuff. Oh, but okay. it, it's not important to the plot per se. So, you know, it's just small little details and stuff. So it's not like you will be insanely confused if you only know DC and then go and read this. No, no, it's it's very centered around the um, DC characters and then young animals interpretation of DC characters like um, Batman's a preacher. There's a there's a version of Batman that's a preacher and then there's a version of Superman that's a milkman. 
sounds great. It's it's pretty awesome. I fucking love it. Love comic books. Love it. Um, I finished season one of uh, Harley Quinn. Oh yeah, that finished. Um, yeah. And apparently season great. two and season two is coming back in like two months or something. It's in April, I yeah. think. It was great. The, the yeah, it's it's probably the best TV show I've seen in a while. Like holy shit. Yeah, I should I I should sit down and watch it. It's it's, um, when, it's whenever I'm reminded of I'm like oh yeah that's the thing I should watch and then I don't. I watched a new episode of uh, McMillions and then binged the podcasts hmm? about it. It's really good. It's a really good uh, documentary series series on uh, HBO about yeah. the Monopoly scandal. Involving McDonald's. Yeah. You, you wouldn't believe how deep this rabbit hole goes. Like by the end of episode uh, three to episode four, it's not even about the Monopoly game anymore. Okay. So it just um, it just goes into like corruption upon corruption upon corruption, basically. No, it involves the mafia. <laughs> <laughs> the Mac Mafia. <laughs> Not the Italian mafia. <laughs> oh, okay. Not the American it's, it's... mafia. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, it's... I'm Italian. No, my, you're not, Stephen. You're my, Romanian. My my mama was Sicilian. My papa was Sicilian. I'm Sicilian. <laughs> and, anyway, do they do they uh, have a guy with a really really thick sort of Italian American accent? Oh, you bet. Oh, great. There's several. That's one of the things I miss from watching things like Boardwalk Empire is that like insane New York slash Italian accent. <laughs> it's they um yeah, they reminded me a lot of characters from uh, the Sopranos. Mm. Hey Ma! Hey Ma! You wanna cook some pasta, Ma? <laughs> <laughs> As we've already mentioned, I have not watched The Sopranos, but I've watched Boardwalk Empire, and I think it's close enough. Hmm. Uh, I actually watched something uh, with uh, Steve Buscemi in it. Um, speaking of Boardwalk Empire, because I know he's in that. He's the main uh, guy. I, I watched on on the road. That's why I had like a Freudian slip when you said on the beach. I said on the road. Is he in on the road? Yeah, he has a bit part in it. We're talking about the uh, the movie with um, Christian Stewart. Yeah, and uh, isn't uh, Some... Viggo Mortensen also in it? Like yeah, this? yeah, he also has a bit part. Yeah, in it. Yeah, I thought it was pretty bad. <laughs> no, it 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 was very boring and kind of I don't know. Mm, it was, I don't think that book is particularly adaptable for screen. Yeah. Didn't really work for me. Didn't work for me, dog. <laughs> Didn't work for you, uh, dog. Uh, saw Superman read some. Oh, those. yeah. I remember that um, when I read it. Yeah. Loved the Russian Batman, though. <laughs> <Being a laughs> with his... Uh, terrorist. <laughs> with his, uh, like, hat. Yeah, his Ushanka. That's what it's called. Thanks, Steven. You're welcome. <laughs> So, uh, and I, I, I love the because obviously they have uh, American voice actors and they're doing they're doing bad Russian these, accents. 
Yeah. Yes. Batman's doing his old Batman monologues with a Russian accent. (laughs) (laughs) You will understand how it is to be vulnerable, Superman. Swear to me. Swear to me. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I am the knight. (laughs) Oh, God. They should just go with that. Speaking of really disappointing... um sort of remakes and sort of adaptations kind of uh yeah netflix put out a full 3d remake of the first pokemon movie and it's a trip really yeah the, the one with Mew, Mew, and mewtwo that yes. thing and it's like a com okay did you ever watch the tintin movie the steven spielberg tintin animated steven movie? Spielberg, yeah yeah so i liked it this is kind of what they did, except they sort of they leaned more into the art style of the characters. So the characters still look like kind of what they did, which is actually kind of weird because anime. every other uh, sort of secondary character looks fine except the main cast. Like, it's like well, they, they, the kids still have the same style, like with the flat eyes and shit. Yeah, and... but they're three oh, D. Oh, and some God. of the, some of the characters look fine, but the main three, like Ash, Misty, and Brock, they all look weird because they sort of slightly right. changed their design. I imagine they do. And then it's just Jesus. basically a shot-for-shot remake of the first Pokemon movie. At least from what I remember, I haven't seen the original Pokemon movie in like a decade. But but yeah. it just it just looks so weird. So are they gonna do that for all of them? Oh God, I hope not. I, I don't know. It just popped up on Netflix and I was like, you know what? I should watch this thing. And I, I don't know. I was just sitting there like tripping balls. It was great. Okay. <laughs> it's so strange. Yep. Okay. Uh, I also watched uh, on the, on your challenge, Daniel. Well, you didn't really challenge me, but you mentioned it and I thought, what the heck? I watched uh, a Gundam anime. Yes. Well, we actually we actually uh, talked about it after we recorded last time, for, for those who don't know, uh, about Gundam. And I actually realized that you probably have watched more Gundam than I have. <laughs> so just to give context, uh, I don't, I don't, I, ne- I never watched the, the original series, the what's called the Universal series. Yeah, okay. Or the Universal Century. Yeah, so Gundam mm-hmm. is a massive franchise of basically giant robots. Think Pacific Rim, yeah. but more realistic. It's the mech genre. Yeah, it's like military Pacific Rim. And um, there are if people wanna. Sorry. Okay, so there are two. There are two sort of versions of Gundam. There is the Universal Century timeline, which has like thirty different shows and movies you can watch that all follow a particular timeline. And then there are all the sort of spin-off universes for people who are like, I don't want to watch 30 shows. I just want to watch one show or a movie or like, so, so that's what we mean when we say universal century. It's like the main universe kind of a thing. Yeah. And that's the original. Yeah. That spawned everything. So I didn't watch that because it's stupid and long and old. <laughs> well, there is the, uh, I, w- I would also, if you want to watch that, watch the three recap movies. I mean, they're still I was going to get to that. But sure, go um, ahead. So if people want to get into it, I'll recommend the, there's a video. I'm going to put it in the edit uh, by a glass reflection on it. Yes. That explains it a bit. Uh, 
Um, yeah, and uh, but I still wanted to watch something that was a bit self-contained. So mm-hmm. I, I think a couple, maybe close to half a year ago, I, I watched uh, Double O, Gundam, which mm-hmm. is a one of their shows from two thousand five or six or seven or something like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. And then I watched because uh, you rem- you told me about it. I watched uh, uh, what is it called? Blood Soldiers. Oh, <laughs> Iron Blooded Orphans. Yes. I, I, yeah, <laughs> Iron Blooded Orphans. I watched that and I realized, holy shit, these Gundam shows have the same structure. Yep. <laughs> they all have the same. Uh, they, the plot is basically the same. Yes. Except you know the the circumstances are a bit different for each show, but yeah, yeah. So it, Iron, which Iron is Bl- not yeah. So Iron Blooded Orphans is one of those spin-off shows that takes place in its own universe, kind of a thing, but there's still Gundams yeah. in it, and it's kind of the same story, basically. Yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, people that are uh, oppressed find a this uh, magical. Well, not magical, but this ancient technology that basically can read is magic. It's a gun. Uh, yeah, it's this mech from another time. And then they have the gift to pilot it. And that helps them through their uh, journey to basically escape the suppressive uh, system that they live in. Mm. Something like that. But uh, yeah, I thought it was okay. Um, I watched all of it. <laughs> you watched all of it? Um, I watched well. It's two seasons. Yeah, and uh, I I watched. I left it run for for a while, as in didn't pay attention to certain points. Yeah, because you don't have to. It's a pretty easy one to just have running in the background. Yeah, um, yeah. The animation on the fight sequences looked awesome and stuff. And uh, it's uh, it's not it's but you know even though there's a lot of repetitiveness and a lot of filler in it, I would say yeah. that. The appeal of the show is not actually the mechs it's the uh, focus on the um consequences of war and the uh, weapons of mass destruction yeah like uh, a giant mech can be easily considered a weapon of mass destruction and uh, uh the shows from what i can tell all of them sort of focus on the um um, consequences of the citizens of such a weapon existing and being used. Yeah, it it varies from sort of show to show how much some shows go really in depth with the war is bad narrative, but it's always sort of a, a through line of every at least every Gundam show I've watched that like uh, apparently Gundam was created by a known pacifist, so it's kind of funny in that regard. Yeah, I that makes sense. I mean, as in, I never got the feeling that war was encouraged during the show, you know? Yeah. Um, I also have a couple of other Gundam shows uh, lined up <laughs> uh, that I, I think I want to watch. I want to watch Turn A Gundam from 99. Yeah. Turn A is great. Turn A is fucking weird. Uh, and I have a... Uh, Unicorn from 2010 also lined up. Yeah, Unicorn is special in its own way. So these are all these are both sort of self-contained. Yes, although Unicorn is more of a homage to the original show. Yeah. 
But, so you know. uni Unicorn is Universal Sentry, but it's more like a retelling of the original show, kind of. <laughs> you will All probably right. be confused. All right, good, good to know. Uh, I watched a. I actually also watched an anime this this week. Uh, I I watched a show called March Comes In Like a Lion, which is what the fuck is that? It's a how do I put it? It's a drama, kind of, about a, a young guy named Ray, who's a, he's like 17 or something, and he's a shogi player. It's Japanese chess. Yes. And he is, um, it's basically a show about his sort of depression and how he sort of slowly grows out of it. It's pretty good. I really enjoy it. Uh, I'm halfway through it. Uh, I've just finished season one and I'm going into season two and it's pretty good. But Daniel, the most important question, is it a period piece? No. Woo! Okay, we we finally it. we finally cracked it. No. Anyway. <laughs> um <laughs> now you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Alright. Um Anything else, Daniel, to report? No, not really. Okay, moving on. Um, shall we get to a topic that we want to discuss today? Yes. Hmm. All right. Uh, so, uh, Daniel, several hundreds of our listeners have uh, <laughs> uh, pointed out the uh, the lack of uh, Roman Polanski talk in our previous episode. So now, uh, I let me just explain for a second. Sure. I don't follow news. I don't care for it. <laughs> uh, so I don't. I, I don't know. I didn't know anything about this. Uh, can you explain to us uh, what's the recent news about? Okay. So. Okay, I, I hadn't really uh, read up on this thing before we were contacted saying we should talk about it. And, well, I'd, I'd seen, like, headlines about it, but I was like, eh, it's Roman Polanski, he's probably doing something. He shouldn't. Um, but then I read into it, and it's apparently... So, the Caesar Award was handed out, which is the French equivalent to the Oscars. And uh, Roman Polanski was nominated for his movie uh the captor is a spy i think it's called and he was nominated in like 12 categories and when the nominees came out there was a lot of uproar about why the fuck would you nominate roman polanski he's a monster and a lot of the uh, sort of committee that sort of runs the caesar award stepped down like about 400 people and then the awards were were a few days ago and apparently he won like best director and there was a lot of protests outside the award but he didn't personally show up to to accept his award it was i think it was the stars of the movie that uh, that accepted the award because of it uh, on his behalf so hmm. yeah that's the, that's the roman polanski news did you say something about the jury leaving or so as far as i could understand when the nominees came out uh, there was a big backlash to the fact that roman polanski was nominated 
and the committee that runs the Caesar Award stepped down in response to that backlash. And it was about 400 people, as far as I could understand. Yeah, but didn't they nominate him? Yes. I don't understand. <laughs> it's You're not going to retroactively fix your mistakes by... By just leaving? Hijacking your own festival. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like if... Um, let's say a company does something wrong like a i don't know facebook steals all your data which they do sure. then you know big backlash to that and then mark zuckerberg steps down as president of course he doesn't because he's mark zuckerberg and he doesn't give no yeah, shit that's not going to fix anything yeah i'm so, not that's yeah. that's kind of the point so so my two cents about this entire thing is that we should it's it's also like a, I don't think we're the right people to talk about this as being you know no uh, well but, nobody is really well yeah but I think there are people more qualified than us to talk about this probably um, most likely but those, those those are reporters from Vice they're probably the most qualified they'll be like what's up with this <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Let's do some ayahuasca while watching the Harvey Weinstein trial. That's the goop laugh. <laughs> uh, Sorry, what were you gonna say? So, the the thing is, like, we need to acknowledge that that this is happening in not only in the movie industry, in a lot of industries, and we need to hold the people who do it accountable, and we need to put up systems that that can help people who are in this situation get out of that situation you know yeah so and but they need to be legally accountable yeah more more so than uh morally accountable yeah i mean obviously they have to be that as well but well, i don't think well there is like also... if you go ahead if i think the way the system works for most cases like if you're if you rob a place yeah. right you you most of the time eventually get caught right yeah and the that's that's the lesson that you're supposed to learn right like oh this ha you know the 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 saying is uh you can uh you can pull off uh, a trick a hundred times but you can you, you have to be caught only once you know that right. kind of thing and uh, that teaches you to not do it anymore but the problem is uh, for a, or I think the problem is for a very significant amount of time, the uh, laws for sexual assault were so uh, broad and uh, didn't consider a lot of uh, what uh, what are considered at this point sort of microaggressions, even though they're not. They're worse than that, you know. They, yeah. As in, you know, stuff that uh, mostly men do has other has other even worse implications further down the line right yeah like sexual harassment That's... assault things like that yeah, yeah. sexual harassment can have different nuances where it doesn't have to be overt to be sexual harassment right yeah um as in right uh, uh, you know assaulting somebody physically like grabbing their ass or whatever that's clear sexual assault whereas there can be other things that men have done over the years that yeah, maybe on a first glance or maybe 
don't know, uh, five to six years ago, people would have thought, well, this is a bit weird, but eh, uh-huh. you know. Whereas if you look at it now, you're like, how did we not get this when we were looking at it? Well, it's a it's more of a societal thing. Like you you realize yeah. that these these things have been taking place, and then you go like, okay, we need to fix that, and then yeah. That inevitably I, I, will also showcase that there are some people who have benefited is is a weird word to use, but you know have been thriving in that ignorance. Yeah. But um, I but I, I also think that there is you brought up the question of sort of the moral, um, the moral bit of it, and I think that's that's just up to the individual person. Like, like if you enjoy Roman Polanski movies, for instance. Uh, I don't think that makes you a bad person, per se. No. Uh, like, well, it's it's just... Uh, this, this feeds into a larger problem, I think, where... <laughs> well, it's not a larger problem, it's just a, a different problem, I guess, mm-hmm. where people see movies as the director's movies. Yeah. Even though... It's a team effort uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, but that's also and that's not to that's not to disown like ah oh, this isn't Roman Polanski. I'm not watching a Roman Polanski movie. I'm watching something else. It's a it's a studio it's a studio movie, <laughs> even though it happens to be directed by Roman Polanski. Yeah, but it's kind of I felt the the reason why I felt a bit weird about this. It's the same when uh, the Harvey Weinstein case broke out. The mm. first time, I think, in 2016. Uh, um, yeah, around that time, yeah. Uh, every All of these uh, fucking low-rate uh, talk show hosts, like uh, Jimmy Kimmel and whatever, the f- they started lambasting the movies he produced. Mm. And I'm like, do you not? You, just because a person involved in a huge group effort happened to be you know, a creep doesn't mean that the work that they were involved in is bad because at the end of the day, what you're doing is dragging down a bunch of people who aren't responsible for anything with this guy. Uh. It's like, uh, imagine if you, if you worked as a DP or a sound editor on a, was it chocolate? Remember chocolate? Anybody? (laughs) I don't actually remember that movie. Anyway. And whatever it's a movie that harvey weinstein produced yeah. and uh, i really like it um and uh imagine if you were like worked on that on the crew yeah and then uh, jimmy kimmel uh makes a joke about like hey that fucking guy harvey weinstein is a creep remember chocolate he was a fucking loser directed that or uh, produced that mm. and um i'm like you know y- y- you you then feel bad for the work you did you know, you feel like your work is insignificant now because of one person that did bad things. Well, I know? also I also think that can have like insane effect on a career. Like Harvey Weinstein, of course, ran Miramax for the longest time, uh, or was at least a big part of Miramax. I don't know if he actually like ran it personally, but he, he co-founded it with his brother. Yeah, and then of course they created the Weinstein Company. Like, imagine if you worked at the Weinstein Company. Like if you were just some, I don't know, office clerk at the Weinstein company and then all this breaks out and you have to find a new job, do you write it on your resume? <laughs> like, 
what if what if that's yeah, the, like, what is that the only job you've had or like the biggest job you had and it's like are you gonna like kneecap yourself in the job market because of harvey fucking weinstein like yeah because what they're gonna be afraid of is that people look at it with uh i want to say like uh, horse glasses horse <laughs> okay you know like those uh those uh things that horses have on their faces so that it oh blinders ahead and not to the side. blinders there you go that's horse, horse glasses <laughs> i thought you were thinking like horse big... blinders yeah uh so they look very they only see that you worked for harvey weinstein and they don't see that look i was just a person doing a job yeah you know the same you know and the same is can be taught said about room plansky's like Mm. Hey, uh, look at this scene from a Roman Polanski movie. I think it's really good. Mm. But a lot goes into that. Like somebody edited it. There was a script. There mm. was a director of photography. There were actors involved. There were so, there were all the crew involved. There was there was hundreds and hundreds of people involved in. Yeah, and though when I what I meant when I meant by this feeds into a different problem is the sort of problem of uh, saying that a movie is somebody's movie yeah. when in fact it isn't really yeah as in maybe you can argue maybe even though this isn't i don't think this is true either if a person writes directs and produce something then they should have probably their name on the movie as in mm. this is a x film yeah but even that i don't think is true you can't like nobody is able to make a a uh presentable feature let's say by himself yeah. or herself you know but, it's a team effort yeah but obviously i also think we should how do i put it i had a i had a thought Basi basically the the situation I, I brought up with the with the theoretical office clerk from harvey from the weinstein company like i haven't heard about any situation where that has actually happened where a person has removed them sort of kneecapped himself in the job market because they worked for the Weinstein company. So I don't know if that is... Ah, they're fine. Yep. They're probably fine. Probably. Hopefully. Like, unless they weigh in on it, then fuck them. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, there is... There is this thing in, in the entertainment industry of, like, pointing towards a singular creator... Like whether it's Roman Polanski or Lars von Trier or Woody Allen or you know hundreds and hundreds of other you know creative individuals, um, and then of course when when some allegations comes out against them, then that sort of smears onto the entire production in a way. But I don't know if it's in such a way that if you were the DP of a Roman Polanski movie, if that sort of ruins your chance in the movie industry. I don't think it necessarily ruins your chance, but it sort of downgrades your uh, your uh, contribution to it. As in, <laughs> you you uh, I don't know how to explain it. You you're part of something now that is solid. Yeah. Instead of instead of a production that you can be completely proud of, you have to be sort of I don't know. You, you feel dirty by you have worked on it, even though you just did your job. Yeah, but I think I'm thinking more of it in an industry perspective. Like, 
let's say you and I worked on a on like a Roman Polanski movie. Doesn't matter what sure. role we had. And then we go out and in search of more jobs in in the movie industry. Like I don't think there's a studio that will look at oh you worked as I don't know key grip on a Roman Polanski movie and they would be like that's a Roman Polanski movie we can't hire you for that. I, th- I think because it's no, it's a I job think, and a lot of and a lot of people who work in the movie industry are work from like project to project, you know. Like just look at for instance director of photography, like it's very rare that a director of photography works with just this one director. Like they will work for like 20 directors over their entire career if not more, depending on how prolific they are, obviously. And the same with yeah. like the miscellaneous crew, like they will work for maybe hundreds and hundreds of productions. You know, sorry, that was violent and loud. So, and again, but I also think that we we still need to hold these people accountable. Like, if a if a new Harvey Weinstein shows up, we need to hold him accountable, and we need to you know prosecute him. Yeah. And yeah, and it needs to be legal recourse. I think that's yeah. the most important thing. But I, also... I think that's what people feel that it's lacking. Yeah. I mean, it it kind of no. is, in a sense, because we have a lot of stories in the movie industry about different people who have done different things, and there's really nothing being done about it. You know? Yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking more of the, you know, like, uh, how do I explain it? It, it, let's let's say uh, you have a a low a low grade robber. He robs a whatever jewelry stores, uh-huh. and uh, if all goes well, in quotation marks, then he's gonna move on to something bigger, right? Uh-huh. Now, uh, think if that jewelry robber would be caught at the low level when he's just robbing jewelry stores. Right. If if. If we live in a pla- in a society where both the incarceration system and the um, reformation system works fine, then that person could then be uh, sent out as a normal, let's say, productive member of society. And now think about that, but in terms of what we talked about, where you know you you have a system that is able to catch them at a low level when. Mm-hmm. You know, as in, there's no point, that, no, not no point, but it, there's no need for it to get to a Harvey Weinstein level where it's so obvious that you can't not ignore it anymore. You know, you should be able to have a system that deals with it at the small level where it, where it, where it starts and then cut it out there. Yeah, and I, I personally think that the sort of, how to put it, the greater understanding we have, like like we talked about, like six years ago, some behavior would have been sort of brushed off, but today we're, we're more aware of that kind of behavior. I think, and also then setting, you know, systems in place that helps the victims actually sort of speak their case and go, no, this, this guy actually, like, did this to me, and then, you know, repercussions. Like, I think that's that's the thing we need to do. But we also need to, you know, to go
go after the people who have who have gotten away with it until this time. You know. Yeah, I agree. Anything else we want to discuss on Roman Polanski before we get cancelled? No, not really. Not really. No. All right. Good. We we fixed it, everybody. We <laughs> fixed the. Nah. We fixed cancelled culture. We, we... <laughs> well, actually, on the, on the level of cancel culture, like it's it's up to the individual person whether or not you don't want to, you know, watch a Roman Polanski movie or you know whatever. Of course it is. Nobody's forcing anybody to do yeah. anything. So it's just there's a lot of people just... who are bitching about cancel culture, and I'm just like, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, bitching. What do you mean by bitching? Basically, going that like, oh, cancel culture has ruined everything, and it's like, oh, shut the fuck up. Well, it's it's a, but I I don't want to get into. It. It's just basically, a, I would say, just a a thing that happened. So of course. Anything that happens in today's society has both positive and negative repercussions. Yeah, it's so expanded by the internet. But I, but I also think, again, as you said, with the expansion of the internet, I think it's also just, you know, we have platforms now where people can, can in in community sort of say their their opinion. So if they all say, "I don't want to watch Roman Polanski," he can go fuck himself. That's you know, that's a thing that might have happened in in person uh, on an individual level like 20 years ago but now that we have you know twitter and such it's just people can can get together and collectively say fuck roman polanski and it's like you know. uh, yeah I, just, I i think though that sometimes this can have like a a sheep and sheep herder effect where oh yeah yeah it can be it can totally just... be manipulated and you know, there are still people who do it in bad faith and things like that. Like that's yeah, you know. But there's always after, after effects. <laughs> uh, there's always effects of any of uh, movements like this that are un- unforeseen and unfortunate. But you know, it, again, it's a complicated thing that has a lot of ramifications. Yeah. So and it affects everybody differently. Yes. You know, as in, I don't think that just by demonizing somebody and i think that some people uh, feel like obviously um, okay let me rephrase this so obviously you feel a cathartic sort of pleasure when you where you where when you successfully attack somebody who you feel is uh, bad right Mm -hmm. yeah when you deep when you quote unquote de-platform them Mm -hmm. um but i think that there's this um dehumanization process that happens mm-hmm. where you sort of don't look at them as as uh, you don't look at the people that you attack anymore as humans you look at them as sort of these vile creatures that deserve to be punished mm-hmm. but that's not how that's why i say that the most important thing is legal recourse because um if you look at any other person who does any other type of crime except this one Mm. And how they get punished legally, it's a very, for the most part, like this is different from country to country, but for the most part, it's a very straightforward process. Like if you get caught in a, doing a crime 
or doing a, a, a let's go with the robbery again if you if you're caught doing a robbery you do your time and you get out right yeah you don't uh i don't know there and i i i very much dislike the idea of uh, dehumanizing people that have done wrong because the whole idea of uh, of a uh, sort of working out something in a social context and working out why something in our society is wrong and fixing it is it's it's something that should benefit everybody and that should also include you know um rehabilitating the people who have done wrong you know mm-hmm. because if we don't if we don't educate the people that have done wrong on what they did wrong and just treat them like uh, sort of these faceless uh monsters then we haven't really fixed anything we just you know well there is there is also an extension of that the idea of if you just treat a a person who has done wrong as a as a like faceless monster in that regard then bringing them to them alone to justice can seem like the only victory you need and not you know the system behind them that allowed for yeah so it's kind of like how Americans thought they fixed racism when they elected Barack Obama. Yeah. <laughs> and look how that turned out. We did it. We fixed it. Yeah. Next one. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. But yeah, yeah th- but, this, is, this is a discussion that can go for like 20 hours and we still couldn't figure out a response or a, yeah. a result in any way. It's moving on. Yes. Let's move on. Um. Moving on to today's main event, ding, 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 where me, Steven, will discuss a Danish movie and then later on Daniel, a person of a Danish persuasion, will <laughs> will discuss a Romanian movie. I wanted to say a Danish extraction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... He's a person of Danish extraction. <laughs> so, Stephen, what movie did you watch this week? All right. So, I watched the uh, 1994 cinema classic Nightwatch or Ned of Acton. Yes. Directed by Ole Bo- Bornedal? Bornedal? Ole Bornedal, yes. Bornedal. Yes. Bornedal. One of the. Uh, my boy! <laughs> my boy! And uh, one of the seminal. Danish directors, actually. I think he was actually the first Danish director to win an Oscar. Really? All right. I think so. Yeah, good. good Good for him. Yeah. Uh, Not let, for this one. Let us check. Let us quickly check. Do, 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 do. I don't see any Academy Awards. No, he won for... Uh, uh, what's the English title? The Pallet, the Conqueror. So, Stephen, describe the movie. I will look it up. All right. So... Um, Quick, quick summary of the plot. Yes. So Native Acton uh, follows a uh, young man named Martin, 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 <coughs> played by uh, Nikolai Kostowaldu, as uh, he gets a job as a uh, night guard at a uh, morgue. Um, essentially, he's a young man uh, trying to figure out his relationship with his... Uh, with his uh, girlfriend uh, K- Kalinka, played by Sophie G- Gabul, is that Daniel? Yes. Is that how you pronounce her name? Sophie. Sophie. Sophie Gabul. 
Sophie Grombo, yeah. who is returning on this podcast because she was also in uh, Flickering Lights. Um, the uh, so Martin uh, <clears throat> so the movie follows Martin as a uh, he is adapting to his new job as a night guard at this morgue. Uh, all kinds of hijinks happen during the movie. So essentially, the movie has uh, three different storylines that all all sort of collapse in on each other. You have a uh, Martin with on, on his new job being kind of spooked by uh, all the stuff that's going on at the morgue. Cause it's a morgue, and you know it's it's kind of scary. There's all these dead bodies, fucking decomposing bodies in formaldehyde uh. and stuff like that, and. Um, uh, then you have a uh, Martin's home life, which is uh, both him and his girlfriend, and then uh, him and his uh, best friend, who's a bit of a loose cannon, bit of a '90s uh, edgy kid type thing. Uh, for example, like Martin has more of a, you know, uh, low key, uh, calm demeanor. You know, he he loves his girlfriend very much and wants to settle down with her. Whereas whereas Jens, played by Kim Bordina, also returning on this podcast from Pusher. Kim Botnia, um, yes. Uh, Kim Botnia, sorry. I'm sorry. Um, he, uh, he also has a girlfriend named Lotte. Lotte? Lotte? Mm. Uh, played by Lotte Anderson. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, he's more of a... he's He cheats on her. He's very... He's very uh, violent, very vile in general, and um, there. And he's trying to push Martin toward this type of light lifestyle instead of what Martin wants. And it's how this dynamic between their friendship and uh, Martin's relationship with his girlfriend kind of clash together. And then there's a third storyline which involves a serial killer who's been running rampant around town. Uh, uh, he's been uh, scalping women after he killed them, and those bodies uh, end up showing up at the morgue where Martin works at. Mm. And uh, so there's constant references to this uh, this serial killer case. And uh, obviously, since it's mentioned, uh, you're constantly expecting how is this gonna affect the previously two story previously mentioned two storylines. Um. Yep. Uh, let me get into my notes. Uh, overall, yeah. I thought. Oh, overall, though, I thought the movie was a. It's it's labeled a horror movie, but yes. uh, it's not. It's not a very scary movie. It's a. It's a. I would call it more of a thriller. I would yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably uh, agree with that. <clears throat> if anything, it's it's kind of a slasher if you think about it. Ah, uh, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to spoil the. There's a twist because obviously once there's a faceless killer, there's gonna be a twist, yeah. <laughs> right? So, a, as in, it's one of those uh, tropes where every character that gets introduced at, on screen might be the killer, right? So yeah. you're constantly going back and forth between who might be the killer, um, which we'll get into that. But I, I don't think we should spoil just in case somebody wants to watch the movie. The a lot of the appeal is in the reveal yeah. of who the the actual uh, uh, mass mur- the actual murderer the the psychopath killer is yeah so we don't I don't we don't want to spoil that so um, so just a quick note I looked up the director and it turned out I had mixed around some directors it is I knew it it is Bila August who was the guy who won an Oscar I still don't know whether or not he was the first 
but he won for Pele Europan. Uh, Une Bolden has never <laughs> won an Oscar. And this is actually his uh, first movie, kind of. Well, that's very impressive. He made uh, he made some TV movies in 1993, and then he made Natavakne in 1994, as you've stated. And he actually also went on to do an American remake of it in 1997, because it was, it was very popular. I was going to uh, talk about that. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> um. I, so just to give a bit of an overall of what I thought of the movie, I, I thought the movie was a, you know, a very easy watch. Again, um, I wasn't very scared because <laughs> I'm a I'm a brave boy. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think um, maybe the movie was a bit more scary in the 90s just because people weren't as uh, desensitized to some of the stuff like we are. Yeah, probably you know, like, uh, seeing uh, seeing a dead body might have uh -huh. been more scary. It's not really that scary now, but again, the the sort of thrill of uh, finding out uh, who the killer is and how this all works within the story is pretty, pretty fun. Yeah, it's a fun, fun, fun watch. Even though that's strange to say that about a horror movie. Oh, there's some fun it's, horror movies out there. It, yeah, but I'm just saying it's it's a it, it's a fun movie, but I think it is kind of it doesn't really reach its in my opinion, it's full potential of the premise, mm. the full potential of the premise. But I'll, let me get into some of my notes here. Uh, <laughs> I wrote uh, digging the the de aging on Nicholas Winningraff and those uh, special effects people really get this really <laughs> did a good job on it. He really, <laughs> sorry, not Nicholas uh, Nikolai Costavaldo. Yeah, his de aging looked uh, fantastic. This is a. Did we realize it was his first movie or it was one of his first movies? It is. It is his first movie. Okay. So if you want to see Jamie Lannister as young, then yeah. go nuts. He, so Nikolai Kostovald is most known for portraying Jamie Lannister on uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. But uh, he's, uh, so he's in his very early 20s in this movie. And uh, it definitely shows. He, he looks like he's he has such a... A baby face yeah um which is very strange to see him so young considering how i don't know he looks mature now like he looks like a um i don't know i don't want to say a man's man but like you know he looks I mean? he like, looks good let's say that he looks he looks like a, a proper adult right whereas yeah. here he looks like he could be in high school well, yeah. That's because he probably could. Um, yeah. Uh, classic scary old man. <laughs> there. So, uh, Martin gets this gets this job at the at the uh, as a night watch at the morgue, and he's replacing the previous uh, night watchman, who's a, a very very old man, <laughs> and he has such a scary face just because he's old, and the. Uh, there's this particular shot. I, I love the throughout the movie. There are these uh, bizarre close-ups on uh, old people, mm -hmm. where uh, obviously I'm I'm thinking that the director was going for the thing that old people kind of just look like look like uh, corpses. <laughs> so, sure. So there's this close-up of the of the old night watchman uh, 
where he uh, says, "Ah, oh, you get bad breath after being in here for a while," and then he breathes into Martin's mouth, mm-hmm. and uh, there's this close-up on his face, and it just looks like a butthole. <laughs> okay. It's like, oh. Anyway, it was good stuff. Uh, I I wrote here, so I don't know anything about morgues or how they work. Obviously, mm-hmm. like I've never, I don't think I've ever been inside one. Um, <laughs> you don't think you've never been inside one? <laughs> well, I mean, you can. I I think you can visit them, right? If you want to. I don't know. Or something. Go on a school field trip. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all go to the morgue. Uh, so I wrote, is this real? Pulling uh, uh, what what I wrote, the equivalent of butler cords. If you come back to life in the morgue to signal <laughs> the night watch. As in, uh, so the, the there are different sections of this morgue. There's a, a place where bodies are decomposing in a formaldehyde. And uh, there's another... The place where bodies are just fresh bodies mm. are just laid on the table with sheets on them. Mm. Now over them there are these uh, what I refer to as butler cords that you can pull down and then it, the, a a alarm rings. So that's that's in case in case you spring back from the dead. Well, is this real? Well, there is and, like uh, I know that in old morgues there used to be I don't know how old I don't know if it would have been a thing in the 90s also I don't know about the formaldehyde thing that is but in old morgues you used to actually have you know those those fridge that they put in bodies it was like yeah. a classic open the fridge pull out a body there actually used to be a a bell tied to their feet so in case they were, and you actually, I think you used to be, or you should be able to open it from the inside, just in case that the person lying in there is actually not dead. Um, yeah, but can this ever happen? As in, can you just spring back from the dead? I mean, there As are. In, there has are. Has this ever happened? Probably. I don't think it's the most common thing in the universe, but I'm pretty sure it might have happened at least once. Just thought it was very strange the way that this was set up, you know, like over each body there's a little cord and you can pull like ding. Have you ringed, sir? <laughs> In walks Carson from Downton Abbey's like, you rang, sir. <laughs> I'm just dying to see you. Oh my god. Oh my god, that would um, be so great. Um <laughs> so um I wrote wrote in big caps lock here dick shot oh yeah <laughs> because there's a there's a shot of Nikolai Kostovaldo's uh ham <laughs> his penis in the movie his a uh, bacon what um <laughs> that's a, that's not a description I've ever heard of a penis but okay sure his ham cheese oh my gosh <laughs> it gets worse and worse Stephen. just <laughs> <laughs> anyway so there's a there's a uh slightly bizarre scene where he's nude but his girlfriend isn't which i'm like come on <laughs> but uh no what what, what i meant it, it's a uh, it's bizarre because uh he's laying there nude and his girlfriend whose clothes is kind of just sitting on on top of him uh-huh. and the uh, and this is a thing that i'll get to later on but um the the style of acting is noticeably kind of hammy you know kind of yeah. over the top this is very um sort of overly dramatic very uh 
it feels like a it, it feels like a movie from the 80s even though it's in the 90s yeah uh what i will say about this movie is i didn't actually watch this movie until like a couple of years ago all because, right because it was one of those movies that my parents won't allow me to watch <gasps> daniel because it was a so horror movie sensitive yeah, never, never mind the fact that I have watched way more <laughs> insane horror movies than that. You know, just go to the French extreme and you will you will be scarred for life. Anyway. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, but when I finally watched it, I also had that idea of like, so is this a dark comedy <laughs> in some ways? It is, it is sort of yeah, darkly I, comedic in some ways. I, I, th- I thought the it kind of badly affected the the two leads performances well the two leads as in uh nicolai costavaldu and uh uh what's her name sophie sophie Koppel. yes yeah as in uh, they're obviously very young mm-hmm. especially nicolai costavaldu yeah. so they uh usually and and this is you can look at stuff like uh romeo and juliet the leonardo dicaprio movie oh romeo x and x juliet yes I think it's Romeo Cross Juliet, whatever. It doesn't. Um, where the acting is similarly sort of over the top and bombastic, and yeah. uh, you can tell that younger actors have a difficult time, sort of uh, adapting to that style, whereas older actors are more versed in it. Um, but uh, going back to this movie, uh, Ned of Acton is the same, where the lead lead characters have uh, trouble, sort of they feel awkward at points because of the way they have to act uh-huh. uh like uh, you have other characters like we'll get to the detective and and uh, even uh even yens played by kim they sort of have this very over the top very stage acting style right they're playing for the for the last row so to speak <laughs> they're playing for the back row yeah yeah and they're good at it because i think they're more seasoned Mm-hmm. You know, they, they they know how to do it, whereas, and I'm not really trying to take anything away from Nicolai Costavaldo's performance or Sophie's. I'm just saying that because of this, they come across a bit wooden to me, uh-huh. especially Nicolai, Nicolai Costavaldo. He comes across a bit yeah. awkward. So I, w- I was looking up whether or not this was also Sophie Coppola's uh, first movie, and it isn't. It's like her 10th or something. Well, there you go. So... Well, I I thought she was a bit better than him. I thought, well, you you notice it more with him because he's in more of the movie. So you notice that he's, I don't know, he's a bit awkward. Yeah. In terms of his performance. I I, I thought, in my opinion. <laughs> the script is a bit mm, iffy. It has a lot of uh, uh, references to, this isn't like your average movie types things, which I just hate. Mm-hmm. this is the kiss of death for your movie don't ever do it <laughs> like one character i think it was a yens or maybe it was martin says uh some uh, i wrote, wrote the line down if i oh it's a martin martin says this to his girlfriend if i say i love you does it sound like a bad american movie and i'm like i wanted to kill myself <laughs> <This line>. yes because <laughs> uh it's one of those things that screenwriters who think that they're writing a better script than they actually are yeah. do, where they're like, 
just saying i'm saying this stupid line but i'm acknowledging that it's stupid and it's like that's not enough you need to write good lines yeah <laughs> but uh i i thought that they kind of saved it afterwards um in this exchange between the the couple where they where then the nikolai starts playing with the words like he's uh, mumbling to himself mm. you know and kind of just playing with his voice and that was cute uh wrote here awesome gu guitar theme there's a yes so apparently there's a lot of music that is uh performed by uh danish rock bands in the movie mm. uh because uh nikolai nikolai gets a walkman or a radio or something to sort of pass the time in the morgue and there's a lot of uh rock music being played like mm. there's a i particularly liked and i and i looked it up the song let your fingers do the walking by a sort soul oh yeah sort soul yes and uh, i thought they were very good i mean I, i mean i thought the song was very good whatever <laughs> and uh, they have a, a couple of other songs later on in the movie as well mm -hmm. and uh yeah no dig the gu guitar riff at the beginning really good so yeah i wrote here mo movie had a 1997 remake that's when i figured out that they had a remake because Uh, I felt like this plot felt very familiar and I was like, wait, what the fuck? And then I figured out that I've seen the remake before. Oh my God. <laughs> Years ago though. But I it, I still remembered the plot of it and then I realized, oh, it's a remake of this. Um, I don't remember that much from the remake. So it stars Ewan McGregor as uh, uh, Martin. And Nick Nolte and... Uh... And uh, I want to say... Uh, uh one of the arquettes <laughs> uh probably yeah um anyway it doesn't matter it doesn't matter um and uh yeah i thought i thought that movie from what i remember was a bit worse than this one <laughs> i mean yeah but uh and it was also directed by the same guy yep so there you go then he turned this Uh, this movie into a whole franchise, Ole Bondal. He's even uh, working on a sequel right now. Yeah, yes. So I actually mm -hmm. found this whilst you were discussing the plot of the movie that there was a uh, a court trial apparently about the idea of a sequel because it was it had to do with who has the rights to the um, to the movie, whether it's the director or the production company. Okay. And Ulborndale apparently won. So he is now legally able to make a sequel. Okay. Well, good for him. And this was like last year. That's a bit curious though. Wow. What a sequel of this movie would look like, but Yeah. Sure. Why not? So in 2016 he said he he wants to get the, he wants to get the gang back together basically. And he, and he he is I need it, this is code for I need a hit. <laughs> I need money. My kids need to go through college. Wait, we don't pay for education here, so he needs a new kitchen. 2019 basically. was a big cocaine year. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the big cocaine year. We need a segment called the big cocaine year. That's a uh... no. No. So so in 2016 he he wanted to get the gang back together and he had already started the uh the script apparently all right well, although it says nothing about what it's about 
it's just a normal Danish uh, drama. It just takes place in the same universe and in the aftermath of this movie. It's just about a it takes, Martin and a. It takes place like five minutes. The relationship. It takes place like five minutes after the original movie, and nobody acknowledges mm-hmm. that everybody has aged yeah. like thirty years. Yeah, like Martin looks like a baby, and then all of a sudden he looks like he's forty-five. Uh. Anyway, yeah. So you know, if you want to check the remake out, be my guest, and it's okay. <laughs> uh. Uh, what is the I wrote I wrote uh, what is the little box he carries uh, with a key and the clock? So th- there's this weird system where um, he has this little um, box that he has uh, on his shoulder, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And uh, he there's a key in the morgue, and he uses that key to place in the lock inside this little box that he has that somehow stops. The clock that's inside this box. I don't understand what this is. What is this? I don't know. Is this to to? I, I'm thinking. I was thinking. Is this to to sort of track his rounds? I think so. Yeah. Like, because uh, he's supposed to do rounds, uh, you know, to check around the morgue at night. Yeah. And uh, when he when he uses that key that's at the end of the morgue, his clock stops. Yeah, I think I think it is just to to like note his rounds. It's pretty it's a pretty interesting gimmick. Obviously this is before cell phones or whatever. Yeah, so, like, you know, so it's early 90s, so. So this uh, back to the horse blinders thing. So <laughs> so uh, obviously Martin is scared of the dead bodies, you know, he's afraid of them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh uh, so he needs at the end of his round he needs to get to a key to put in his thing to stop his clock and the key is at the end of the section where the bodies are laid out on the table with sheets on them uh-huh. and what I said the, the little strings that they can pull and um, he's afraid to look at them so he's like putting his hands to the sides of his face like horse blinders Yeah. and he's making like a stupid puppy face <laughs> it's re- it's hilarious. Like it coming back, going back to the awkward acting. Like it's just a bit like, nee. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a bit goofy. Yeah, uh, his face. <laughs> I wrote, oh my god, well, well, it's the big show. <laughs> so the two couples, uh, Martin and uh, and Kalinka, and uh, then there's uh, Jens and Lotte. And they're, the two couples are together at, at, at a bar. And in, in come two ruffians, two goons, two yeah. people of the street. And one of them, and like this was this was towards the end of the scene, I realized one of them was Ulrich Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one, his name is, his name is Christian uh, Thries. But yeah. I swear to God, he looks like the big show. <laughs> <laughs> he's a tall dude with a beard he looks like the big show and also i wrote down i will never believe that ulrich thompson has natural hair ever yeah (laughs) and they are just the roughest of the roughs they pick on women they don't pay for their beers uh and this was the scene where i realized i hated kim's character Okay. I hate, I hate, I hate Ian so much. As in, 
because the whole thing that the story is doing is that they're trying to make Jens look like the serial killer that everybody's talking about uh-huh. so that you have a twist at the end but they overdo it so much that by the time but like halfway through the movie you're like there's no way it's him there's just no way because it, it would be just too it would just be too anticlimactic to reveal that it's him you know <laughs> so yeah. you feel like all his scenes are a bunch of waste of time because you know it's not going to be him and also his character is extremely it's he's horrible and he kind of gets a shitty redemption arc at the end just because it wasn't him and you just feel like fuck this guy you know what fuck you <laughs> so these two guys these two goons at the bar uh they obviously to me they look extremely danish mm-hmm. right Fucking one of them is fucking Ulrich Thompson. He's like the most look Danish looking person ever. Also, this was um, Ulrich Thompson's first movie. Well, congratulations. Uh, but his insult, he's in, he he he's insulting these two goons by calling them Pakistani or Paki. Ugi, <laughs> are they Pakistanis now? You go first to dancing. I mean, So I. I get that in the 90s, this was supposed to be an insult, and this is obviously a result of, of general sort of anti-Semitism and xenophobia. Yep. But if somebody would come to me and call me a Pakistani, I would be like, are you stupid? What is... <laughs> like, it wouldn't be something that would make me look bad. It would be something that it would make the person saying it look extremely stupid because it's obvious that these two people are not Pakistani for fuck's sake. Well, Stephen, we have to also consider that Denmark is a country where I have been called a foreigner. Yeah, but you look like a foreigner. <laughs> I don't look like a foreigner. <laughs> yes, you look. You look like a Mexican. Well, a man of Mexican extraction. <laughs> uh, no, but you know what I mean. It's, yeah. You wouldn't. Nobody with two pairs of eyes would ever think these two fucking. Yeah, nobody would think look. Ulrich Thompson is a Pakistani or any other nationality than than white ass Dane. Yeah, and they're they, but obviously the intention of the movie was to say uh, was to say something hurtful towards these two characters. But mm-hmm. I'm like, you could just figure something else out that makes sense. <laughs> like I don't know, calling them a butthead or something. <laughs> I butthead. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, and I thought this was the worst scene in the movie just because it yeah. just shows such an ugly side of, I don't know, Denmark in general. And uh. for a scene that didn't work at all and it wasn't needed, you know, it just felt like a bunch of, it just felt like a waste of time. Yeah. Um, and it went on forever. They, so these two ruffians are behaving bad in the bar. And uh, Jens says something like, uh, oh, you definitely weren't raised in Denmark because Danish people don't behave like that. And I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> so I, I wrote here, and I'm sorry to say this, but I this is my genuine belief. I'm, I wrote, Danish movies would be so much better if they would stop pausing the plot to jack off Denmark's mediocre phallus every other movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. 
It's like, you want to you behave like this if you're raised in Denmark? It's like, what are you saying? <laughs> I mean, you are kind and of then calls them And then calls them queers. Yeah. That's also a thing. But, you know, at I guess it's all understandable because Jens is supposed to be kind of a jackass. Yeah. But I just thought it went too long and too far and didn't need to go there. Yeah. Like, you can establish that he's a jackass in a much shorter time. But And this is not the only scene. And that's why I thought that every, or almost every scene with Kim Bodnia's character, even though he's a good actor, mm. I thought he, he, he just went on forever. And he, you don't need... It, it it felt like filler essentially yeah uh <laughs> i wrote is fish face is being called a, fi a fisk face uh, is that being is that an insult i mean yeah i would assume so <laughs> hey fish face i was like what yeah i mean fish is a eh, whatever i ah, whatever it's it's just a, it's probably just a weird 90s thing like you know hey hey butt face <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a bit cheesy right so Stephen, uh, the thing i find interesting about this movie is the fact that it is sort of branded as a horror movie because denmark don't really make horror movies yeah so i don't know i just find that kind of odd also yeah I, like the fact that you said you didn't find it scary because obviously it isn't that scary uh but that you thought of it more of as a thriller sort of makes sense yeah, because we're or a slasher, I guess. Yeah, because we are more accustomed to making thrillers and you know things like that. Yeah, but you know it's fine just because you know something is labeled a horror and it's not scary doesn't mean the movie isn't good. It's just whatever. no, no. Uh, I wrote down detective sounds like Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 detective is particularly hammy. You know, like mm -hmm. that, going back to what I, what we were saying about. You know, uh, sort of seasoned actors uh, uh, going over the top and portraying very, um, I don't know, bombastic characters. It was uh, true about the old man, the old, uh, the old night watch man that we mentioned before. Yeah. And it's also true of the detective, Ulf, uh, Ulf Pil Pilgard. Ah, Ulf Pilgo, yes. Ulf Pilgo. Yes. So he plays a, a on IMDb. He's credited as the as just the the detective commissar. Yeah, uh, but uh, he had a name in the movies. Just that uh, it was like a German-sounding name, so he, he sounds like Mr. Bean. <laughs> he just does like the do 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 do. <laughs> you know, he's doing like he's doing all the things uh, that you would see in a, I don't know, like a stage play where he's like mugging to the camera and raising his eyebrows, and then he when he's sad, his eyebrows are really down, and then he's kind of. You know, very he's he's kind of like the emperor in the Star Wars prequels. Ah, <laughs> but yeah, loved him, loved him. He was great. You know, Nikolai Kosovaldo says, "Daddy's home." <laughs> so, <Yep. laughs> so there's a pretty fun fun montage where they um, basically go like he goes through his routine of being a night watchman at this at this place, mm -hmm. and. Um, He's sort of getting used to having this job, and uh, he's a he was particularly scared of the place where the bodies are are doused in form formaldehyde. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he has a scene where there's a window in it where you can go look through the out from the outside in to this place, mm-hmm. and he sticks his head into the camera. Essentially, the, the frame the framing is by this window, right? And he mm-hmm. sticks his head through it and is like, "Daddy's home." And then he, <laughs> I thought that was, it was funny, you know, good good stuff. Um, there's another fake fake out, but I thought it was better because uh, there's a doctor also um in it and uh he has like uh, these uh small cameos basically where he, where because uh, uh martin uh rings the alarm so essentially oh. if the uh, if 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 the alarm rings by uh, uh because somebody pulled the string aka somebody's alive in the mm. morgue first thing you do as the night watch man you call the doctor right mm. and uh, there's a couple of these false alarms because there's these uh unnatural events happening and uh, uh, the doctor is particularly dickish towards Martin Mm -hmm. and uh, you're sort of trained by movie logic everybody who's behaving sort of dickishly might be the killer Mm -hmm. (laughs) so he's kind of like a fake ringer for the killer like ah is it him it's not (laughs) but you know just you know it's nice to put in another fake fake out there just because yeah. Uh, da, da, da. <laughs> I ah, I have a note here where it spoils who the killer is, but yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, there, let's just say there's a scene where it kind of becomes obvious who the killer is, uh-huh. and it. I don't think, I think they could have left it out just because it's a bit too early to already figure out who the killer is. You know, uh, to the yeah. point where I thought, is this another fake out? Just because it's a bit too obvious. Yeah, know? it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, so, Steven, did you enjoy, did you you sound like you really enjoyed this movie? No, I I, I think it's very flawed, but I still really liked it. Yeah. You know? I think, uh, you know, I th- mm, I think it could have been better. Yeah. Uh, I think the premise has, has a lot of promise. But uh, overall, you know, it's it's a fun. It it feels like the first episode of a of a TV show, basically. Well, it's good we're getting a sequel then. <laughs> it it some of the music in it uh, reminded me a bit of Twin Peaks. You know, it has that a uh, over the top uh, melodramatic style of music where like mm. you know the strings start coming in and. Yeah. You know, and uh, there's this young couple and stuff like that. And it's like, this feels like Twin Peaks. Mm. <laughs> so the music is done by four fucking people. Uh, Joaquim Holbeck, mm. uh, Knud Ode, who's from Sor- Sorso. Mm. Uh, the Sandman, who also perform on it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, like band music. Well, I assume Joaquim Holbeck did the instrumental, like the actual score, the instrumental score. Yeah. Uh, Other notes that I have on the movie. I have so many notes on it. Oh, my God. Um, Death turns people on. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is where I noticed the acting being particularly stiff. (laughs) Um, Was a... because uh, they have a uh, so Martin and uh, his girlfriend uh, Karinka have this. Uh, they she joins him at work and they they have a a, a, a sex scene in the place where the bodies are laid out on the tables. Uh. And uh, 
it it felt very awkward as in you know it was just kind of uh, two actors just kind of gyrating towards each other like uh, i don't know <laughs> yeah. yeah they play the psychos thing there's a <laughs> multiple points in the movie where they play now, i don't know if it's the exact psychos thing but it's that type thing or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. it's played multiple times and i just thought that was funny uh, I, th- I wrote the movie is a bizarre mixture of gritty realistic 90s of a gritty realistic 90s movies and an over-the-top dramatic classic style movie from more of the 80s period yeah you know it has this sort of realistic uh, subject matter of uh, you know a a serial killer rapist on the loose type thing and then mm-hmm. you have these realistic de- depiction of uh, bodies and sort of rotting corpses and stuff like that and then you have this over-the-top, uh, you know, score and acting and mm. uh, scenes and stuff like that, and, and especially camera work. A lot of a lot of uh, Dutch angle zooms yeah. in this movie, especially when they have the controlled environment of the morgue. Mm. You know, they have a lot of <laughs> type things. Uh, yeah, I would actually say that's probably my biggest problem with the movie because I can totally see a movie that that plays to either of those strengths. Like, one of them is a realistic, sort of slow burn, not really a horror movie. Methodical, yeah. you know, like a CSI type thing. Yeah, but, you know, more focused on atmosphere and, you know, things like mm-hmm. that. And the other is a bit more of a, like, 80s romp. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I, I wish they would have leaned into some of the noir aspects of it. Like, yeah. you have a lot of scenes where... Um, uh, it's only lit by uh, uh, Martin's flashlight mm. and uh, some like a little bit from behind. You know, a lot of silhouetted shots, but it's not. It's not enough. Yeah, a lot of Dutch angles. A lot of <laughs> uh, Dutch angles. I, I don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I I'm a man who enjoy who partakes in a good Dutch angle once once and again. But <laughs> I mean, there is a thing as too many Dutch angles. Yeah, I didn't think there were too many. It's just, you know, that's, you know, it indicates the style of the movie, right? Yeah. That's the thing. Um, big time Shyamalan. How do you pronounce this guy's name? Shyamalan? 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 Yeah. Big time Shyamalan twist. <laughs> I, yeah. I wrote in the notes. As we as we reach the, ter- the third act. Uh. Uh, I, I wrote that there's a lot of really cool small hints in the first part of the movie when you realize who the killer is and it's like oh yeah this makes sense because then you have uh, there's a scene particularly towards the first period of the movie where you don't you don't think much of it i particularly because i'm a filthy foreigner um (laughs) thought that it was just danish people being weird um but but then uh when it's revealed who the killer is like oh okay makes sense now um <laughs> i wrote the the acting gets very hammy towards the end yeah. uh, but you know it it doesn't really pay, play like a i don't know like a modern serial killer type story where um it becomes very i don't know uh teeth clenching you know mm. realistic uh type thing it's kind of very over the top and a bit silly but yeah which which is actually serial killer stories are kind of silly so. yeah but it but it is actually kind of funny because 
Scandinavia in general is sort of known today for their like procedural, you know, crime stories. Yeah. You know, Scandinavian noir is an entire genre. And mm -hmm. yeah. it's it's funny to look at the Night Guard as being like a very early sort of I don't even want to say a like early progenitor of it, but it's more like a it's like it's it's just totally different from Yeah. It's before that style emerged. So yeah. it's more of a it's more of it's an, doing of an its own thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is really uh, funny. I, although there's a great scene with uh with with Sophie Kalinka uh crawling like a fish on broken glass to push a fire alarm while her arms and legs are duct taped so she's caught by the serial killer and she's duct taped and her only escape is reaching this fire alarm button and she crawls on broken glass on the ground like a fish it was it was great mm -hmm. insane speed in the last half hour of this movie you really notice the pacing issue once you get into the last half hour and how fast it goes through it yeah mm. you notice that oh this was so slow beforehand compared to how it goes in the last half hour yeah and i because there's a lot of padding with scenes of yens being yens so when it gets to the plot it goes for it very fast um more movie references <laughs> if this were a movie uh, but it isn't. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, oh, if I were the protagonist, of, there's a scene near the end where Martin says something like, if I were the protagonist of the movie, it would be called The Night Watcher. Uh. It's like, I wanted to kill myself. Oh, my God. Uh, and the, over my last note, the movie had a very inconsistent tone overall. At times, it felt like a typical 80s slasher with lots of Dutch angle shots and close-ups. Uh. Uh, I f I, at times it felt surreal and overly fake sort of in an intentional way mm. um, d d due in large part to all the movie references yeah. right? like a lot of fourth wall breaking type thing uh, but at times it felt very realistic and grotesque yeah uh, I wrote and, and I think this is a pretty good comparison pretty much a Danish version of a Brian De Palma movie <laughs> yeah like I I would kind of agree on that yeah you know, Brian De Palma, for those who don't know, has a very over-the-top style, very Hitchcockian, classic uh, American 1950s style, but in a modern setting with slightly more realistic tones. Mm -hmm. Pretty much this movie in a nutshell, I yeah. think. So, Brian De Palma, if you're listening, <laughs> because, check this movie out. Because, of You'll course, you it. are. Yeah, of course he is. He's our, you know, He's our number one fan. number one fan. <laughs> But been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. <laughs> we have t-shirts? So, Daniel, uh, what is your overall opinion of this movie? I mean, I I enjoy this movie as a sort of time capsule thing, mainly because mm. it is so different from the, the, the sort of serial killer movies or just in general the sort of crime movies we get today. Because I'm kind of okay. I'm kind of tired of the Scandinavian noir genre. Okay, uh, understandable. But yeah, I so uh, this you enjoy this because it is so different. Yeah, and also it's yeah, I understand. It's sort of a it's a fun thing of seeing Denmark actually trying to do horror because again we haven't really done that. Like horror is not really a genre that exists in Denmark. I can think of two horror movies in Denmark, kind of. Other than this, okay, 
Or what are they? Uh, one is uh, The Kingdom, or Riel, which is actually a TV show. It was Lars von Trier. Yeah, yeah. I, I have it on my external, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, uh, which is sort of more surreal. And then you have... Okay. Um, I remember this old this horror movie that came out in like... Well, old. It was like early to mid-2000s, which was about werewolves. Mm. Oh boy, you have to put some work into finding that, Daniel. That would be a, okay. a trip. Yeah. Because we're going to run out of uh, sort of the more uh, acclaimed, uh, well known movies at some point, and we're going to get into some hot trash. <laughs> oh my God, I can't wait. But yeah, like um, I think this movie is more interesting as sort of a time capsule, and I would totally watch a sequel just to just to like see what they're going to yeah. do with it. I hope they um, sort of expand on the style in the sequel and don't just revert to the Scandinavian noir. Yeah, that's thing. A, that's also what I hope. I, I I would hate if they just went full Scandinavian noir with the sequel. Yeah, the 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 thing with this type of style is that, and you can see it, it, this. There's elements of the style that you can see in stuff like uh, Blinkelute, mm. and the uh, the whole thing is that it's. Um, it needs to be in a on a in a studio, yeah, in a set, right? Because you you can't have this type of camera rigs in the open usually. Yeah, you need you need control over your environment. Yeah, yeah. So if they do this, they're gonna they're gonna have to, you know. I imagine I don't know what the movie's gonna be about, right? The sequel, I mean, but I imagine there's gonna be a scene where there's a return to the morgue type situation. Yeah. You know, because the morgue is such a big part of the movie and the concept. Yeah. I mean, if they manage to do it without it, I mean, that would be impressive. I I, I would think that the movie would do some kind of going back, either going back to it or maybe the movie still takes place there. Like, maybe he still works there. Who knows? <laughs> He's a fucking loser. <laughs> maybe he's the old man now. <gasps> oh... He's not that old, but I yeah, mean, that works. I mean, I looked it up. He was like, he's like 49. 49 is the new 27. I mean, he doesn't look, for, I mean, last, uh, last one, three, Nikolai Kostovala Ma- look, doesn't look 49, personally. I wouldn't have guessed. Yeah. Kim, uh, Kim Bornia, though, he looks permanently 45, though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's some some people just have an aspect about them where they they basically will look ageless just because they always looked 45. I mean Patrick Stewart never ages. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But uh overall, I thought the movie, you know, definitely check it out. I mean, yeah. it's it's not as good as some of the other movies we talked about. I think uh I think it's not as good as something like Blinkelute for example. Yeah, but it's in that same vein of more I, I would say pulpy in a way. Yeah, it's pulpy. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's a good word. It's it's a fun watch, even though it is flawed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, moving on. Moving on. Oh boy, Daniel, I cannot wait <laughs> to <laughs> what you thought of this mess. <laughs> to the movie I watched this week. Okay, Steven, so you're actually calling it a mess because I was gonna blast your ass full of like what the fuck did you make me watch? <laughs> because okay. I want to tell you the story of how I actually got this movie. 
Tell me. Because I was looking for this movie all over the place and I couldn't find it. I found it on YouTube. I found it on YouTube without any subtitles. Oh, no. So I had to find subtitles. And for the first, like, 10 minutes of the movie, I was like, do I have the right subtitles? Turned out I did. (laughs) So... So this this was just me for an entire afternoon just scratching my head and almost writing to you, Stephen. I can't find this fucking thing. So you should have just wrote, wrote to me. I have a copy with subtitles on it. Well, I I have it now. So okay. this movie is written and directed by Lucian Pin Pintili oh, Pintili Pintilie. Pintilie, who did uh, Terminus Paradis, which we talked about last time. Yes, and. If you remember how I felt about Terminus Parties, I had a lot of sort of feelings about that movie. Not to say that I hated it, but there was I definitely had some problems with it. And this is like that times a hundred. <laughs> because this movie mm, I wanted to punch the screen so bad in so many ways. So this is a movie that stars Rasvan uh, Vasiliesco. Who, what is Van Vasiliesco? Yeah, yeah. Who plays uh, Dimitri uh, Costa, who is a he's a prosecutor in training, kind of, and he is to investigate suspicious death that happens in a coal mine in 1990s Romania. He need, he needs to basically figure out was it an accident or was it murder? It's it's sort of quickly sort of figured out that it is murder because more people start dying. And he he meets this young woman called uh, Alina, played by Cecile uh, Barbora. And they sort of fall in love and have this thing, this relationship, whilst next to it is the murders that are happening in the mines, whilst next to it there is how the miners are being treated and this entire like social sort of history behind that which i had to look up afterwards because i had no fucking clue what was going on and then there is the sort of which later gets discovered the sort of big corruption thing with the sort of the higher-ups in the mining company and i was just like what the fuck does this movie want me to what does this movie want and yeah this movie is a mess it is a bit of a mess, yes. A bit. But I, uh, I, I haven't seen it until we watched it for the podcast. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know what? I, <laughs> I kind of dug it, even though I do acknowledge that it is a bit of a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> so, I had to look up the the sort of historical sort of thing with this. Uh, yes. which is sort of becoming a trend with all these Romanian movies, and especially with uh, the Lucien Pintiles movies, because yeah. he sort of grounds uh, at least these two movies we've watched in a, in a very like historical context. And apparently this movie was about... Uh, there was a riot that happened where coal miners started attacking uh, protesters. And... Um. Uh, I my my first note on the movie yeah. must explain historical context to Daniel. Yes. <laughs> so so do you want me to yes. give you a bit more of a okay? So I actually had to look up some of the stuff because I 
wasn't very familiar with well i knew that this stuff happened i just wasn't very familiar with it um so essentially there were a series of riots by different groups of people uh, immediately following the the fall of communism mostly related to the fact that in power in these in this uh, immediate democracy that happened afterwards uh, in power were placed people that were involved in the communist government were either part of the secret service or part of the the actual communist government like the president uh Ioan Iliescu, the, pres- the president that was elected immediately following the fall of communism was a member of the cabinet you know he was a member of the communist party a prolific member right so a lot of people who were hoping for a more radical change were very much against that so they they did all these protests mm-hmm. uh the university what in uh, bucharest there's a place called the uni- uh, i guess the english translation is the university square uh-huh. it's basically a square um where um it, like the german equivalent i know it's platz you know the uh, yeah the, so it's you, know, a pl- you know what i mean it's a plaza or a yeah yeah a plaza there you go thank you um uh and um that that place is now infamous every 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 time there's a protest it happens there uh. it's just i don't know why it's just over time it became a sort of consecrated place for that and uh there was these riots in the in in 1990 in that place and uh essentially though you know t- the story is told from different points of view obviously so there's different perspectives on it uh. but essentially the the situation got out of hand as in the way the government uh, justifies it, it says that, oh, uh, we didn't have enough personnel to sort of calm down the riots. Yeah. So we brought in the miners yeah. as sort of extra muscle. Yeah. But the problem is r- the miners are not trained, you know, lawmen. They're m- fucking miners. Yeah. <laughs> so they were very rough and there were like stuff like illegal arrests and illegal beatings of protesters and the situation instead of being uh you know detentioned just spiraled completely out of control yeah and there were riots upon riots and upon riots and it became uh, just a huge hot mess mm. and the whole then this the conspiracy that the movie deals in is the fact that the the miners had a had secret service operatives among them to sort of egg them on yeah. to beat up protesters. Yeah, because that wasn't part of the official nomenclature. Mm. You know, you're not. We're not sending miners to beat up protesters. We're just sending them to sort of um, have extra manpower to manage the situation. Yeah, but what actually turned up was miners coming to beat up mostly young people yeah because <laughs> those were the ones protesting and that's what the movie that's the back backdrop of the movie yeah the movie basically sets out to try to explain why this would happen in a sort of i don't know way in a way so so that's how i uh, what i figured out was that uh lucien pinetil was was basically questioning like why would the miners do this like why would the miners attack these uh, these protesters and that's kind of the theme he explores or one of the things he explores in this movie my big problem with it though is what about all the other stuff then <laughs> because 
there is there's all these things yeah. with like the murder in the mines there is there's the entire thing with uh dimitri and alina which ugh, this movie yeah i i would say it takes yeah <laughs> there's even a line in the movie i think where he's where the main prosecutor says uh, i don't want to get political but then the movie gets political for the next 20 minutes or yeah. so and it, it takes a break from the plot. Yeah, and basically he starts uh, showing newsreels of the of the event. I assume those are actual newsreels. Uh, yeah, yeah, th that was actual footage. I believe some of it was uh, reenacted, though. Yeah, but I assume some of it is actual footage. And there's like a, I think it's a BBC news footage. Yeah. Because there's an English, uh, like commentator. Yeah. But yeah, there's um. Fun fact, uh, a lot of people made a, quite a bit of money selling uh, footage to outs uh, to foreign news uh, agencies oh, that makes, of uh, makes sense. riots and stuff like that. Uh. Actually, the one of the biggest uh, TV stations in Romania right now, one of the most, I would say, professional and like high-concept uh, pro-TV, uh. uh, they actually were the producers of Philanthropica, fun, fun fact. Oh. Um, they... Uh, the the owner of that st uh, started that by uh, making money selling footage of the revolution to BBC and stuff. Ah, nice. So that you know, the funny story. So I have in my notes some just funny uh, sort of anecdotes. One is the orchestra. <laughs> okay, so there is this orchestra that keeps popping up in the movie, and gets. First, I thought they were going to be portrayed as just, you know, like a ghostly presence, kind of. But they are actually acknowledged by the by the cast. Like, the miners walk into the mine and the orchestra sitting and playing. Like, they're playing... What is they're playing? Schubert. Schubert. That was what they're playing. And I was just like, the, the fuck? <laughs> and then they get picked up in a helicopter at the end where there's a horse... <laughs> <laughs> and then they start throwing the horse out. is not in the helicopter no but i actually thought they were gonna try to put the horse in the helicopter uh, i was waiting for it as well yeah. yeah and then they start throwing out thought... wedding invitations to yeah it's, it's this movie is fucking weird uh i think uh, i think you misread something though mm. that that's not the orchestra in the helicopter ah okay it's just they they start yelling from the helicopters like get those kids awake only the orchestra gets to go in and things like that okay so i might have no but what they say is only the um that's a that's not the orchestra there mm. <laughs> oh no oh no what does this movie done to you i, I don't um, that the that that was it said it said that was the um the son of uh, of the previous owner of the mine and he has a wedding and that's yeah. why he gets to have a ride in the helicopter yeah and by that time the orchestra has uh, gone back to bucharest i think ah okay it's just in the subtitles it says only the orchestra gets to go in or something like that and all right i don't know um i also wrote down worst secret police <laughs> Oh, the, the two dudes who are playing football outside. <laughs> so, um, Dimitri and Alina is is in Dimitri's apartment, and um, and <laughs> Alina just walks over to the window and looks out into the courtyard, and there's these two guys in a suit just playing football. 
<laughs> and she just goes, oh, the secret police is looking after us. And I'm just like, the fuck is this? Uh, yeah, I, la- I laughed out loud at that. <laughs> also, Dimitri dropping his gun into a fishbowl. Yeah, fun stuff. Yeah, fun stuff. Um, uh, yeah. I have a question, Stephen, though. Sure. There is a scene where Dimitri goes to see a... I think she's the wife of one of the uh, miners who died. Uh, yes. Yeah. And she comes out with... The, first of all, there's grandma in bed. Yeah. Which is great. It was like the most Romanian image I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> and she comes out with a pot, like a giant like pot. And she throws something yeah. out it from the onto the table and starts cutting it. This big white, it looks like cheese. It wasn't cheese. Okay, I was just gonna ask, what the hell was that? It was soap. Ah. It's a it's a homemade soap. Ah, okay. Because uh, there's a line before it where she says, "Uh, well, I'm making soap because it's too expensive to buy it." Ah, uh, okay. Uh. Yeah, I don't know exactly how it's made because uh, I think I've seen my grandma twenty years ago make it once or something. Okay. Uh, in the countryside, but I think it's made out of fat, like a, I mean, uh, I think animal animal fat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's usually like pure white. You yeah, know, that type of thing. Okay. Uh. So, Stephen, what did you think of this movie? <laughs> Uh, look, uh, I, I, um, I would say, I know that a lot of the movies from the nineties in Romania are particularly awkward because, uh, they're not, they they don't have a really a a school of cinema like other movies after that would have, you know, like the Romanian new wave is a lot more refined and then movies after that are even more, you know professional and yeah stuff. like we saw in philanthropica so, and things like that yeah so i was very i was af- almost afraid for my life watching this movie like oh no what did i do to daniel oh no but listen i think there are some things i think the um the overall plot of uh investigating the murder in the mine i thought it was pretty compelling uh-huh. you know i definitely wanted to see where that was going yeah um didn't care for the political sort of uh in your face type stuff yeah. like ah oh, these minors beat up children yeah square like yeah we all know this we don't need to yeah. dwell on this forever and ever um uh you know i thought the movie was better shot than than a uh, next stop paradise yeah i would probably agree i, I, I would the control the setting of the mine especially i really yeah. liked everything inside the mine it was yeah. looked great like there are some good shots um, in the movie like uh the guy on the conveyor belt uh yeah the the second yeah. guy dying or is it the second the uh, shot the shot of the the cart of a uh, charcoal hitting the other cart and then exploding into the camera yeah uh, it looked and every, everything with the mine, yeah, the, like related to the mine. I thought it was great. Yeah, everything else was a bit lacking. I think. Yeah, bit, and also it felt a bit very, too much filler. Yeah, it felt like I don't know. It felt like you had three movies you wanted to make, and then you just cut them out. Exactly. And yeah. Also, yeah. Speaking of awkward sex scenes, this movie also <laughs> has one. 
This movie is not afraid to show some ham, Daniel. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, speaking of uh, of penises. Oh, boy. There's a... That's a lot. When I, I watched this movie after I watched the uh, Night Watch, the Night Watch, and mm. um, I thought, oh, and when I first saw the first uh, penis shot, I was like, oh, so each movie gets one, I guess. And then, <laughs> and then little the, did I know. <laughs> and then this one gets like two hundred. <laughs> yeah, because the miners, there's a lot of shots of the miners naked showering, yeah. essentially. Yeah. I which look, I I actually do did like the scene where the um the the prosecutor is uh, talking about the case while he's showering naked uh. <laughs> i also felt uh, the uh, the scene where all the miners are standing up against the wall and they they get told who gets to shower <laughs> that was a that was a pretty well i actually thought it was well shot yeah uh, yeah no the, the the movie is great when it goes back to the plot everything else is yeah very derivative and kind of stupid and uh it is also a movie with a very explosive ending <laughs> literally literally uh yeah but speaking of awkward sex scenes the yeah there there's sex scenes look terrible <laughs> oh yeah like oh my god but the 90s what are you gonna do it's just uh you know yeah but, uh, there's there was no uh what are they called? They have like a thing now, a sensitive sensitivity coordinator or something like uh, that. I don't know. I, I don't know the name of them, but it's basically somebody who, for those who don't know, it's basically a person on set who, who ensures that when scenes like sex scenes or nude scenes or something are being shot, that it's been done, being done, done properly, basically. That you know, nobody's being <laughs> exploited yeah. or. You know, I doubt this had any of that. I was actually thinking about that when, uh, when the there is the scene where actually the scene where he drops his gun into the uh, into the fish tank, they're like throwing each other around in the bed, and yeah, uh, if you actually read up on how they at least today shoot these kinds of scenes, they are incredibly controlled, like everything that happens on screen is supposed to happen there's no like oh i'll just put my hand here instead of here yeah like it is it is like okay you put your hand there and then you do this and then you do that and you know it's very choreographed it's a choreography yeah, yeah. and it's like a dance and i was watching the scene and i was like yeah you just basically told these guys to throw themselves around on a bed <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, <laughs> probably. Probably, probably. Like, uh, I, I, I do have a see a note here that says, "Uh, I loved the doofus police officer." Yeah. The I mean, every, I don't know. It, he was just doing everything perfectly. He, he yeah. was great. He's just like um, they they find a witness for the murder. <laughs> And uh, they have this little, this uh, young kid, mm. and uh, the 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 prosecutor is grilling him, you know, like asking questions, like, Aah. and um, in the background, the police officer is trying to fix the typewriter. Yeah, <laughs> like he was supposed to note down all this stuff, but he's still <laughs> trying to fix the typewriter. Uh... <laughs> and there's 
like he always comes into sh- into scenes uh, like out of like random because uh, yeah. there's developments in the case so he comes uh, i think there's a scene where the prosecutor is in the bar yes. like in a bodega mm. and uh he comes in and he's he has a i don't know why he just does a thing where he leans in the bar and then slaps his face mm. <laughs> like he does a thing like he just touches his face for a second yeah. just to kind of wake himself up <laughs> the, th- the thing i will say about this movie is there are actually bits about this movie that i like better than terminus parties which essentially I is agree, yeah. is the mining stuff and then sort of the subtle humor of that like there's a lot of like like again he goes in he rests his face and basically like slap himself awake and you know he drops his gun in the fish tank and he people come talking to him and he's putting on his tidy whities and things like that or the worst yeah. secret police uh <laughs> like there's a lot of like a little humor hidden in this movie and i feel like if the movie was just that like follow the miners follows what is happening to the miners and then let it be this like dark comedic thing i actually think i would have liked it a lot more but then it has all these other elements to it that are just like uh they're uh, they're also underdeveloped yeah you know? they're not it's also an attempt i would say of you know looking more important than you as a movie than you actually are yeah it's like all the stuff with the secret with uh, when he, the scene where he's going to the to the secret police to investigate whether or not the the killer might be one of the uh, sleeper agents that they had yeah during the the miners uh sort of uh intervention in the in the riots uh-huh. it's just like get it over with jesus christ yeah and that's mm-hmm. that's why i was kind of surprised reading up that that was his that was his sort of intention with the movie was to look at okay why why did this event happen and then thinking back on the movie i was like yeah but you didn't really sort of develop that to the same extent it's not properly explained yeah 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 it's like he had it it was it's like he had an intention and then that intention got put in like 20 minutes of exposition dump basically and then the rest of the movie happens it's like yeah yeah, it's not organically developed into the story. <sighs> Daniel, <laughs> what? Uh, it's just using buzzwords like that uh-huh. triggered me. Uh, there's a couple of uh, overlap between this and Terminus Paradis, as in, uh, as Van Vasilescu played the drill instructor yes. in Terminus Paradis. <laughs> he, I, I've seen a couple of movies with him. He's he's a pretty well-known Romanian actor uh he uh he always plays the same character yeah <laughs> he's just dickhead yeah he, he's he's good in this movie like he plays a dick yeah. but he's pretty good I think um I don't I don't I think the movie would benefit a rewatch as in there's a couple of stuff that I rewinded through yeah. to get the story a bit mm-hmm. so there's a the plot of the actual murder is actually kind of interesting yeah like there's a there's an interesting sort of discussion about the murderer and i was actually thinking they were not going to reveal who it was at some point but then when the plot gets back and running there's a i thought the last uh 10 to 15 minutes of the movie were great yeah you know when the when they get back to the plot and um 
the they they essentially surround they uh, close off all the all the ventilation shafts yeah. of the mine except for one so that the the so they can smoke out the killer yeah and they they're waiting for like with like a battalion and stuff mm. and uh which it's it's all just played for laughs like the battalion is there's a there's a goat that's eating out of plants yeah. like a little plant that's on the on one of the soldiers helmets <laughs> get that goat out of there it's, it's 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 i love it i love the goats love goat yep. goats 10 out of 10 but uh <laughs> The scene where you see the person emerge from the from the that little that cave, yeah, is uh, I thought it was actually like the first shot that you see from afar mm. of the person. I thought it looked terrifying. Yeah, like because they got an actor with really long arms, mm. you know, so it looked almost inhuman. Yeah, and. Uh, there are there, there are some really good uh, hints throughout the movie uh, of the killer itself and why he is killing people. Uh, that sort of gets explained a little bit, uh, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah. And like the entire killer story and all the mind stuff is actually kind of cool, and it has a cool sort of thing to it with the humor. But then it just gets bogged down by all this other shit, and it's like, oh my god, say. <laughs> I loved how there's a fake reveal at the end where they're waiting for something to come out of this cave, this um, this mine shaft. It's cows. And cows. <laughs> it's cows. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved if it would have. I, I loved the ending anyway, but I would have loved if it ended on that. It was just, there's cows. Come, what yeah. the f- <laughs> There was nothing. It was just cows. Although I did feel like that the actual ending felt like they had to do something in post because suddenly there's text on the screen and there's people like talking over footage yeah which felt yeah, very it out felt, of uh... it felt very out of place with the rest of the movie yeah yeah i thought it, they could have just ended on the explosion and just cut to black and then that's it yeah and then there's all the thing with like germany and yeah i don't know i i thought the movie had a lot of potential and has squandered most of it <laughs> yeah that's also why uh, i say like the movie could be good for a rewatch but i don't know if i would actually rewatch it that's fair enough like uh i thought it was way better than i thought it would be <laughs> everything that precedes basically the 2000s is very awkward and uh, it's almost like watching somebody learn to walk <laughs> it's like yeah uh, but i you know i think um i do think romanians have a nice uh, sort of feel for comedy there's a lot of really fun uh little comedic bits in it that i really enjoyed yeah but like, uh, the thing if, is if i just wanted to watch a comedy set in this thing i would just watch of snails and men and then or you know things like that yeah but we can't help ourselves daniel I we got to put in some comedy i in know there. <laughs> And I would actually say the comedic the comedic bits in this movie are great, but the the scene where the the one of the miners tr- tries to steal cutlery from the <laughs> when they're in the cantina and suddenly yeah. the uh, the orchestra starts playing and he's just sitting in the background stealing cutlery. <laughs> oh, that was great. Yeah, there's there's a kid with fucked up legs, oh, legs yeah. uh, backwards or something. They, you know, um, 
yeah i i enjoyed this movie for what it was mm. i knew it i knew it was gonna be like this i took a calculated risk <laughs> but uh i i'm i'm glad i finally watched it because it is a piece of history yeah and that is actually kind of interesting looking at the night watch and then this because the night watch as we said is very brian de palma and you know yeah trying all these different things and then you have you know this movie that is yeah <laughs> it's it's its own little mess i don't think i ever said what the movie was called <laughs> oh sorry yeah it's it's called uh, the cool. it's called too late or steven yeah uh, I uh, I actually mentioning the title. I like the little monologue that the prosecutor had. Oh uh, yeah, that towards that sort of explains the title. Or yeah, yeah. It, you know, I think even though the movie is very, very flawed, yeah. Uh, I think uh, you know I, I do appreciate that uh, Lucian Pintelia, the director, uh, thematically hits on something that is very, I don't know true that uh the concept of uh you know uh do we abandon places that are i don't know forsaken or do we try to fix them you know yeah like this uh this uh this town that the action of the movie takes place yeah. uh is dependent on this mine and uh the mine is on coal coal is gonna run out and also the price of coal goes down year by year yeah because less and less people use coal now right mm. so it's gonna die a slow death you know so once the mine is closed the town is gonna be dead essentially so what do we do you know do we abandon this town and its people or do we try to try do our best to try to fix it and it's the dilemma of that you know and whether or not it's if you will too late <laughs> yeah to to try and fix it or not. I thought, you know, I, you know, I thought it, you know, thematically it's good. It makes sense. Yeah. I just think but it's, it's very, as we've already said, it's a very muddled movie. So. Yeah. <laughs> Give it a watch. <laughs> I, I would I would say if you want something like uh, Terminus Paradise and like it, then definitely give this one a watch. Wow. Did that just happen? I can't believe it. I don't believe it. But believe this. If you want more Rodane goodness, don't forget to follow us on Spotify, for we drop episodes every week, and even more bonus archived content. But for now, have a great day and uh, stay moisty. (laughs) 